Greetings, amigos, and top teners everywhere. Welcome back to Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am your host, Kyle. Opposite me today, as he is every week, is your co-host, Mike. This week, as we do every week, we will be dissecting a Top 10 list. I do not know what that list is. It's Mike's list. He put it together. I don't know what it is. We're going to talk about it. We're going to discuss it. We're going to debate it vigorously. By the end of the episode, we'll have a definitive list. So, Mike... What are we doing this week? All right, Kyle. So I hope my excitement comes through every week, but I have a feeling it will come through especially this week. This is a topic I've been thinking about for a while, about a little piece of art that I love above pretty much all others, a little television show called Parks and Recreation, which oh, I baby. think a lot, which I think a lot of people like. The thing that I love about Parks and Recreation, I love two things above all. I love first that, and I've said this to you before, it has a really kind heart. At its core, it's a very sweet show. The other thing I love about it, and this is what we'll be talking about, is how effectively it builds a world. When you're making a TV show, writing a book, whatever it is, I personally really like when you go down one of two alleys. You either go the Cormac McCarthy, like you could be anywhere at any time. This is very blank. Nobody watches TV, they just eat and live their lives, or you go the J.K. Rowling route and everything is it, like absurdly detailed and built out. Our friends at Parks and Rec took that second route, and they built this incredibly rich world that I love. So today, we're going to be talking about the top 10 secondary characters from Parks and Recreation. Incredible. It's finally happened. This is a list that I have fully formed and ready to go, so... I had, and I also had a lot of help on this one from Allegis and Dill, both avid fans of Parks and Rec. So, sorry, listeners, this is going to be a two-hour podcast. Yeah, apologies. (laughs) I'm very, very excited about this. This show, just before we get into it, the strength of it lies in how we've discussed this many times. How a character can show up for one episode <laughs> and be remembered six seasons later. Yeah. It's, this world is inc- so, despite being so ridiculous, feels so utterly lived in. And it's yes. in large part due to the, the characters that inhabit this space. Absolutely. I'm, I am so excited. All right. Let's, uh, let's dive right in. I think the rules, the rules are fairly clear. Like there's certain characters who we might want to talk about how we consider them. I'd say generally there's a pretty clear distinction between the, the, primary characters and the secondary characters but if there's debate we can discuss i think there are only a few characters that kind of straddle the line we can talk about them all right so number 10 this is a character whose inclusion in this show it just it gets right to the core of how goofy and redonkulous this show is this is a character who showed up three times this is real life basketball player detlef shrimp (laughs) so detlef shrimp Detlef Shrimp! So Detlef Shrimp makes his first appearance during the telethon episode. Tom is supposed to pick him up from the airport, gets Detlef Shrimp, but then waylays him to the snake hole lounge in order to use his sort of minor Indiana celebrity to get people to try to buy. I think he wants to to buy a piece of the snake hole at this point, or maybe he's snelling his snake juice. I don't think he's selling his snake juice yet, but he waylays Detlef Shrimp Drinks like two beers, gets hammered while Detlef is just sitting there wishing he would take him to the telephone. What I love about Detlef Shrimp is he's in that perfect zone of celebrity 
like most people don't know who he is, yeah. but he's huge in Indiana, and it, it yeah. does a really good job of like <laughs> making you remember that Pawnee is in like the middle of nowhere, Indiana. So like getting Deathlout Shrimp is the biggest deal you could imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, second biggest. Well, you could yeah. always get Lil Sebastian, who yeah. we're not counting as a secondary character. He's a main character. Yeah. Yeah, Detlef Shrimp is amazing, but I, of course, the highlight of Detlef Shrimp is when he and Roy Hibbert are yes. playing basketball at Entertainment 720, and <laughs> they're just shooting hoops there, and then the two of them start giving business advice to, to Tom, and Tom tells him to shut the hell up. He and John Ralphio, like, tell him to shut up and look pretty. That's what they're paying him for. And then they just shrug and keep balling. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's incredible. And also, just as a personal note, Detlef Schrempf actually is a financial advisor now. Uh, he came up, this is no joke, he came up in my company's Salesforce system when I was like first starting out. I saw the name Detlef Schrempf, and I was like, this guy literally has to be the Detlef Schrempf, and it turns out he is. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. You work with Detlef Schrempf. I do. He's actually my boss, so I had to include him. Really? No, I oh. wish. He works, I think he's in Seattle or something now. Oh. Because I think, I think he played for the Sonics at one point. Mmm. Yeah. At any rate, Detlef Schrempf is a real person who really is on Parks and Rec, and that is something for which we should all be deeply grateful. So, interesting, because he's the first in a very long and storied list of cameo appearances on yeah. Parks and Rec. I feel like most... I think the fact that he's on it like three times. Yeah, so that's that's a part of the reason I include him here is because he is on the show three times. Yeah, but like fucking John McCain and yes, yeah, Joe uh, Biden, Barbara Boxer, Joe Biden. There's Michelle a bunch Obama. Of people. Yes, Michelle Obama. <laughs> like Michelle Obama was on Parks and Rec, people. Yeah, what should we call it? Was Reggie Wayne? I know Andrew Luck was. Definitely. Jim Irsay was on it. I'm. I for sure luck was. I think Reggie Wayne was on in that. By the way, that's probably been, and that's definitely a top fiver for me in terms of Parks and Rec episodes. The Bachelor Parties. Oh my god, this show is so amazing. Just quick Bachelor Party note. I think we've talked about this, but when they were filming Jerry's Bachelor Party at that ice cream place, <laughs> you know how Jerry gets the extra cone. That's just awesome because he always drops it. But apparently, Chris Pratt did not understand that most actors, when filming a scene involving the consumption of food just sort of lick and or chew and then regurgitate said food because there are so many takes and he apparently ate the equivalent of like six large ice creams on this scene <laughs> it just makes me so happy it makes me happy because if andy were yes. shooting a tv show that's exactly what he would like do. his tv show johnny karate precisely yeah does johnny karate count as a minor character because he's an alter ego I don't know. That's a good question. Because then you have to include Janet Snakehole. Like, <laughs> it's sort of oh, Burt Macklin, FBI. Tommy Timberlake. Tom, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> I literally was doing that the other day. Caroline and I were walking somewhere. <laughs> I want to say we were walking to the hospital where my nephew was just about to be born. And I was like, my shirt says, what's cracking? Now it says, what's cracking, boo? Tommy Timberlake. <laughs> dee, 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 dee. Amazing. We, all right. <laughs> what's yeah. number nine? Number nine. So number nine, I, so you'll see, I had to make some combinations because there's just so many good characters. That's so true. this one, I combined all of the Saperstein clan. So Jean Ralphio is on the show very early and is 
immediately hilarious. I've heard some people say they don't like John Ralphio, but that's the point. <laughs> when you John personally Ralph- like him? <laughs> yeah, John Ralphio is supposed to be a douche, and he's amazing. That was hilarious! <laughs> like, he sings everything. I like when he tries to do those little rhymes, but always ends on the wrong. He gets the rhyme, and then does one extra word. <laughs> and then, I think Tommy even says one time, just stop, you have it. <laughs> And he won't. So he's amazing. Mona Lisa is incredible. She, like, comes in and won't work. She's at Tommy's closet or whatever it's called. Rent-a-swag at that time, I think. And she's like, I have to work on my ecstasy. I love how even John Ralph goes, oh, my sister Mona Lisa? Yeah. The worst. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, they're incredible. And they like do the money, please. (laughs) So that's one of the other great things is we have them for several seasons, sort of have whatever we're imagining their lives are like. And then we meet Dr. Saperstein, played by the lovely Henry Winkler, aka the Fonz. And he talks about like rubbing jelly on the belly for Anne and like she's, she's. He's the OBGYN for Anne and her baby, and also for Leslie and Ben. I love when Chris Traeger says, Dr. Saperstein, I know that we should hate you since you have personally ruined one of our close friends' yeah. own businesses. But we love you so much. <laughs> they all like, oh. they're all group hugging. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm lovable. And I love, I love seeing their home life. Like when John Ralphio is at home and he tells his dad something happened to the TV and ordered a bunch of porno. This <laughs> is amazing. It's like an incredible image to imagine those three all in a, a room somewhere. My only problem with this is that I can't, I, there are a, a lot of amazing minor characters on this show, but John Ralphio is one of my all-time favorites i when we get later in this pot i'll have to argue for it to be a little higher probably yeah that's reasonable there's i think that they're probably a little low at nine john ralphio john ralphio all right number eight one of several great media personalities on this show the great joan calamezzo legendary newswoman <laughs> legendary newswoman so i have some advice for anybody listening <laughs> to this pod do yourself a favor, go to the Parks and Rec Wikia page. So not their official Wikipedia, but go to like their little wiki page. Yes. Somebody wrote an extremely extensive fake biography of her. <laughs> and it is extremely disturbing, but is in all ways consistent with the character that we actually see on screen. I mean, she's amazing. So I love when she talks about like, this isn't some sort of gotcha journalism, and then immediately brings out the gotcha <laughs> girls who sing, Don't gotcha! And she's like such a great parody of both like big time media personalities and local access media people. She straddles that line in a really hilarious way. She's always intoxicated in some way. <laughs> she has a huge nude portrait of herself. In her bedroom, she's always flirting extremely inappropriately with Tom. (laughs) She's incredible. She's got the Jones Book Club that, for some reason, is, like, a really important center of tastemaking in Pawnee. She's amazing because she's in, if not the first season, she might be in the first season. She's in this show from wire to wire. Yeah. Yeah, she's one of the longest-running characters on the show. I bet if you pull their IMDb, like, the by-episode sort, she's probably, like, number 15. Or maybe even a little higher. I would say maybe even higher, because, like, even some of the major characters that we think about, like, 
Yeah, because she's not in every episode, though. You know, no, but she's in. I think I looked, and she was in like thirteen episodes, which is a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the, the name says it all. She's a legendary newswoman. She is a legendary newswoman. I love Joan Calamezzo. She's she's great, and I think we'll we'll talk to her about it a little more with the media people. But this is one of the <laughs> great ways that this this world feels lived in. Is you can actually imagine the citizens of Pawnee listening into the Joan Calamezzo show. I also love the chirons that appear at the bottom of the screen when she's hosting. They're always extremely ridiculous and offensive. The people who call in are great. She checks Leslie's butt for a mole after uh, Leslie gets into a sex scandal with Councilman Dex. On air. Yes, on air. Checks her butt for the mole on air. I also it's just great. I really love Ron's interactions with her. <laughs> yes, he's great with her. <laughs> what I can't remember if they're like promoting Leslie while she's running for office or if it's a stall tactic or something, but yeah. Ron is actually answering calls on her show. <laughs> yeah. He's talking he starts talking about rubbing a, an actual like a an acorn or a walnut, rubbing an actual walnut into walnut wood to buff out the scratches. It's incredible because she's passed out. That's what it is. She's, yep. She claims she has like a cold or something. Yeah, that's And it. she's completely passed out on the couch next to him. Incredible. Yeah. What about number seven? Uh, number seven is your namesake, Kyle. I was hoping he would make this list because I think it would be some people's tendency to overlook Kyle. And that would be a foolish decision. Absolutely. He's also, he they taper him off a little bit towards the end. He's definitely front-loaded. Yeah. But he appears as late as the final season, for sure. Yeah, he's great because he is such a perfect foil for young, ridiculously energetic Andy. So if you're not, if you're not sure who we're talking about, Kyle is the guy who's always getting his shoes shined by Andy, and the, the highlight probably is when Andy reveals that Kyle was cheated on by his wife. <laughs> and he's like, I told you that in confidence. <laughs> Andy's always like giving him a terrible shoe shine. I think he shines Kyle's like pants one time or something. He, <laughs> it's so funny. He, he's, someone walks up to Andy and he's polishing the seat of the chair. Yes, that's what it is. He's just like polishing it. He's like whistling. He's like, yeah, son, that shoe polish. He's like, oh, that'll come right off. And then then Kyle's in like the next chair over. And then when he gets up to leave, his butt is just completely covered. Um, And the great thing about that is that joke is really well done because Kyle doesn't then come sit into it. He comes up from a chair where he's already sitting. Like I, it's a Precisely. minor thing, but that's a much funnier way to write that joke. Completely agreed. He just like is that he, he reminds me of Craig and Eric from Drake and Josh. Like he's just always the the butt of something <laughs> unfortunate. He's just yeah. like the oh darn kind of yeah. kind of character. <laughs> I feel like Andy often ha- early, especially had personal conversations with Anne, where he was like trying to win Anne back, and Kyle's just sitting there like wishing he were somewhere else. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, can I leave?" It's like, Shut yeah. up, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's he's amazing, and he's as we said, he's just such a perfect showcase for the talents of Chris Pratt. And I think that's what's kind of funny is <laughs> Kyle interacts only very briefly and seldomly with anyone that's not Andy. It's hard to even remember a time when he interacts with somebody who isn't Andy. The only time I can think of is when they're promoting, they're trying to get, like, fluoride put into the reservoir, and Mm -hmm. Tom puts together that, like, sparkle points thing, and they just have Kyle stand there, 
and it's like a presentation where it's like, if you drink fluoride, and it's like, boom, and it was Kyle before, and then it's like a super hot guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, other than that, he's pretty much just Andy's buddy. Like, he might as well be an imaginary friend. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that would be fun. That's a fun little fan theory. <laughs> if only he hadn't had that fluoride interaction. Oh, well. <sighs> yeah, I, I have a soft spot for Kyle as as my name is also Kyle. Yeah, so that is true. Um, thank you for thank you for giving Kyle his due. I don't think he would go any higher than this on this list, but no, thank you. But he deserves to be mentioned. Yeah. All right, number six is do another. You, did yes. you prepare not top three? No, I decided specifically I didn't want to because I love the characters so much. If I were forced to come up with a not top three, I could probably do without. <sighs> no, I love them all. I take it back. I'm not doing it. The you can only- do it if you got any. The only ones I would throw in there are, and he doesn't quite fit our criteria because he was a major character, and they realized their mistake. Mark Brandanowitz just kind of sucked, and they made the right choice in bailing. Yes, I yeah, that's that's reasonable. He was not a great character. He was sort of a ripoff, low energy Jim. Yep. Yeah, like super low energy, like the same apathy, but not charming, so it wasn't yeah. good. Mm-hmm. It's really just it's really just Mark I can think of. So. Let's move on from this. All right, let's roll to number six. Number six is a classic. He's a guy who showed up more than you remember, who was sort of teased early, and then we got more uh, color on him later. Barney, the accountant. From the accounting firm! (laughs) Yes, so Barney is the guy who is constantly jilted by Ben, who's always going to go work for him, and is really excited. Barney's incredibly pumped, and then Ben inevitably leaves him at the altar. So I think his first appearance was when all of the local businesses were trying to get spot. They were trying to get the sponsorship dollars from Leslie because she was she was helping to support some like rec center activities. Yeah, and he wanted it. And he, he's talking about accounting. He says, when it comes to accounting software, there's no accounting for taste, which is a great early tease of his love for financial and accounting puns because he is later delighted by all puns that Ben makes about accounting. And <laughs> anytime he hears it, he laughs just like that and then shouts, Ted! <laughs> you gotta give it you your Ben back. <laughs> and then he like makes Ben say his joke again and it's always so lame, even lamer the second time. Kudos to... I'm going to embarrassingly forget his name. Adam, it's Adam, Adam Scott. Scott. Because he, every time they do this, he like has this fake look of embarrassment on his face, but also like can't help but grinning because he loves that they appreciate the Oh, he loves it. it. That's a really, really solid little tick that Adam Scott does that really nails that whole interaction. Totally. And I think part of why it works is because you also see in his personal life that he does stuff like that. Like he refers to himself as bond municipal bond. Like he's, he's got plenty of that own shit in his life. And so, yes, he really appreciates that Somebody appreciates it. Side note. Now that we're talking about that character, I love that initially he comes into the show as an avatar for the audience and he doesn't get it. And he's totally normal. He doesn't understand the little Sebastian thing. And by the end of the show, he's just as ridiculous as any of them. In a way that is totally convincing, and you believe that he has been absorbed into this world. I think the way... I Actually, now that you say it, I love this this movement in the character, because 
The interaction he has with Anne about their days, about how they have, like, first car wash day. Like, they have all these ridiculous anniversaries. And he talks to Anne about how he has this incredibly long list of things that he has with Leslie. But they both look so happy and, like, resigned to their weird relationship with Leslie that that's sort of how I feel about the show. Like, he couldn't be with Leslie and not absorb some of her ridiculousness. It follows. It makes yeah, yeah, exactly. But absolutely, I don't want to skip over Barney. <laughs> but this this particular character gets a lot of play in my personal life because Elise's sister Talia is studying accounting mm-hmm. and currently has an internship with an accounting firm. So oftentimes when we see her, it gets brought up. Hey, it's Talia from the accounting firm, <laughs> <laughs> which I imagine working in an accounting firm, this comes up quite a bit. I hope so. The problem is, if they, if you're actually like Barney, you don't know Barney exists. And that's sort of the beauty of Barney. That's a good point. <laughs> if we're talking about minor character crossover bonus content, when John Ralphio somehow, I think, you know, he doesn't actually get a job, but he, like, pretends that he has a job at the accounting firm. He does, yes. he does one lap through the office area, and Barney says, you're fired. <laughs> and John Ralphie goes, okay, just come out the same way I came in. <laughs> it's just, and it's incredible. Like, it's just incredible. the teaser at the very end of the episode. <laughs> totally. Well, that's what's cool about that that I think you're getting at is it's it feels like these characters probably actually know each other because they probably bumped into each other at JJ's. Right. Like, this is a small town. These people all have interactions or they see each other at the food and stuff. Like, this, these things happen. <sighs> I love Barney from the accounting oh, firm. Me too. Oh, I felt so bad for him when... <laughs> In order to strong arm him into giving April a job there, Andy puts a bunch of firecrackers in his car. Yes. And he puts a mask on with April's face. And he's like running around at That's <laughs> oh, ridiculous. <sighs> okay. Uh, all right. Number five. Number five is Joe Fantringham, otherwise known as Sewage Joe. So. I- Sewage Joe isn't is isn't a high volume shooter. Yeah, but he every time he shows up nails like a Absolutely thirty foot three. He nails it. So I put together a couple things that he says. So <laughs> Joe's take on women. So Joe only has a couple of rules for women he won't date. His only rules are can't be in a wheelchair, no cane, no gray hair. Which I, if I recall correctly, Leslie immediately responds with, so she can't be elderly. <laughs> That's like his only rule. He also notably tries to get April into his van, which prompts Andy to finally sort of like come out and admit that he likes April because he prevents her from getting into the van. He also tells Leslie that she has a killer dumpster. <laughs> Which I love, because I think the term somebody might say is dumper, or they would not refer to a butt that way at all, but because he's so entrenched in this the trash and sewage, he refers to it as her dumpster. He also makes a lot of gross, like, pipe jokes that I don't like, but I think we can all agree the absolute highlight of the Joe presence on this show is when he sends a picture of his penis <laughs> to the entire city hall list serve and it's amazing because Anne this leads to that great storyline where she's looking at pictures of everybody's wiener and the doctor says that jerry has the largest penis i've ever seen <laughs> but she looks at it and she's concerned that he might have mumps and when she tells <laughs> joe he's like yeah 
Joe's got mumps on his lumps. And he's like, <laughs> he's so happy that this picture he sent of his genitals turns out to have mumps. He's amazing. He's incredible. And we should never forget that <laughs> he ends up being the culprit in the great pie throwing debacle. Yes. He throw he throws the pie at Ben and Andy as Burt Macklin studies all the clues and puts the pies pie. in Jerry's face. Oh, so slowly. There must have been a second pyre. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually not a line in the show, but I think it's a little it's probably a, a a nod to the Seinfeld bit. I have a strong suspicion that they probably wrote that joke and probably filmed it and they were like, ah, that's kind of a little bit of a, a theft. Yeah. But I'm certain that they thought of that. Yeah. But that Ugh. was Sewage Joe. I can't remember what his beef is with Ben, but he does I think buy he's him. pissed. I think he's pissed that he got fired because of them. I feel Maybe. like. Because I think Ben was in charge of the town at the time. He was like, he was the assistant city manager at the time. I'm mm. not totally sure, but I think that was the situation. He was just pissed because he got fired after the mumps on his lumps incident. Sure. Sure. But Joe Fantricam is great for a lot of reasons. He's one of the great little symbols of sort of the old boys club at City Hall, which is explored very thoughtfully. They do it very humorously, but it's also very thoughtful. And Sewage Joe is like the most outlandish example of this. Completely agreed. Well, one of the most outlandish. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So number four. Number four is a character who I think reveals the heart of this show because he's hilarious and ridiculous. But he also is a really sort of sympathetic, interesting character. And that is Pistol Pete DeCilio. So Pistol Pete is the guy who made the big dunk back in the day. So he makes the big dunk and then... And then Leslie wants to go recruit him for her campaign. And Anne ends up befriending him and learning all about his childhood. And she refers to his dad as a real piece of work. He talks about growing up in like a strict Catholic household. It's amazing. So like the whole storyline is he really wants to have moved on from making the big dunk against Eagleton in high school. And nobody will let him. And I think... While the character himself is not, I don't think, like, the funniest character on this show, I think he does a really nice job of building out this little world. Because it's something I can imagine happening in the Pawnee that they show on this this little universe. Like, there definitely are Pistol Pete DeCilios in real Pawnees in the real world. Doesn't that feel like the most quintessential small town thing Absolutely. They show them these games on local access. Yeah. And like appearing in local commercials and like you could imagine like he can't even go to like a high school basketball game because like I feel like you probably know someone like that. Oh, yeah. And, And you know, and it's funny because, you know, both types, there are the types who wish they were Pistol Pete and the Pistol Pete's who wish they weren't. And that's part of why he's so likable. He also is coincidentally on one of my mom's soap operas. I don't remember which, <laughs> uh, the actor. He's very good looking. He's a very handsome guy. It's amazing when he like actually does the dunk too. And it works after mm-hmm. he's practiced and it doesn't work. It's just, it's so rewarding. He's such a, he's such a likable character. And he also shows up a couple times. He's in like three or four yeah. episodes. Yeah. He comes back a, a number of times. I guess like he's an interesting, case because you're right like he's not really funny he's like he just represents like a certain kind of character and like evokes a certain kind of feel from Pawnee he's interesting 
Yeah, he he plays a different role than most of the other characters here. Yeah. But I think he plays a really interesting and important role because I think you need characters like this. You can't just have, you know, Joan Calamezzo's running around everywhere. There have to be some characters like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, big that's a good pick. I, I, that, I'm glad you said that because that would, would not have occurred to me. It was not on yeah. my list. Yeah, he's a great one. So this would traditionally be the point where we do honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. I have some pretty organized honorable mentions, but I have a feeling that there will probably be some overlap. So I think you should do yours after I finish, and then I'll mention anything that you didn't. Does that does that seem like a good way to yeah. do it? Yeah, we can do that. All right. So number three, one of my favorites, Ken Hotate. So <laughs> Ken is the elder of the local Wamapoke tribe, and... I think, like, the quintessential Ken Hotate line is when he says, I know two things about white people. They love Rachel Ray, and they are terrified of curses. <laughs> and he's amazing, because he, he's such a cool bridge from Pawnee's terrible past to Pawnee's future. He hilariously takes advantage of, like, all of the racism in town and the fears of being considered racist in town. He has a great commercial that shows during the Johnny Karate full-length episode that shows him at his casino. He also does a ridiculous anti-curse dance at, at the, the Pawnee Festival. In my opinion, that's the funniest he is on the show. And he he's saying all the... <laughs> ridiculous yeah mumbo jumbo like he, I think he literally says he literally jumbo. says mumbo jumbo at one yeah. point yes. <laughs> and it shows at the bottom it's like i am saying nothing this means nothing and i think it translates mumbo jumbo as mumbo jumbo if i remember yeah. correctly <laughs> like it's really funny he also he totally freaks out councilman jam by like telling him that's racist and he's like oh oh i'm so sorry and he's like no no you're saying you're sorry is racist <laughs> and he completely turns him around and tricks him he also is a faithful companion to leslie because i think he's really interesting because he jokes and screws with the Pawnee residents for their issues with the native americans but he also is very understanding and very kind with leslie where he holds her to a high standard that he she has to respect and treat the local Wamapoke properly but he also understands that anything she does comes from a good place and he forgives her when she buries the Wamapoke artifacts sort of teaches her a lesson but helps her out at the same time he's awesome he's such a likable character he he is supremely likable yeah he's he's sort of an efficient player here he doesn't show up that many times on the show but I think he's awesome and I also think he exists in a really cool place where I can easily picture his life off screen, and I like to picture his life off screen. And I also really like to imagine just Leslie bumping into him places. He's just a great, he plays a great role in this show. I really, really am a big fan. And he he's a great callback always to the very checkered past that the Pawnians have with their Wamapoke neighbors. I think <laughs> it's really effective, all the murals in City Hall. Oh, God. <laughs> When, when she talks about, like, the massacre at the gazebo that she's trying to preserve, yeah, the picture of the Native American tied to the tree where they have a cannon set up, like, a foot away. She also, the I think the best one is when she shows the map of all the atrocities against the, the Wamapoke, and then she's like, no, no, the red dots are the atrocities or something, whatever it is. It's, it's basically, there's only, like, one spot in town where there wasn't an atrocity against the local Wamapoke. <laughs> yeah, and he's a good avatar for for that yeah he's wonderful so number two is one of my all-time favorites on the show shauna mallway tweep 
So Shanam Alway Tweep starts out as a local newspaper reporter, and you see a little bit of her. And over time, she becomes this incredibly like pathetic, sad character with a terrible love life who just kind of crops up from time to time and is just doing her best to, to uh, as she would say, tweep up appearances. She starts a blog called Tweeping Up Appearances, Smiling Through the Pain, uh, which is incredible. She just has she's terrible relationships with men. So there's a point where Councilman Dexhart <laughs> says, like, What's going on, sugar boobs? And <laughs> Leslie's like so offended, and Shauna is incredibly flattered by this. It's like, oh, I just feel like I could fix him. She's so great. She talks about how her father. She found out that her father has a second family, and she's like, well, technically, we were the second family. <laughs> she also sees the same therapist that Chris Traeger sees. They never seen Doctor Richard Nygaard. I just love Shauna. I love when she finds out that she's part of Leslie's like replacement crew. She's trying to replace Anne during Valentine's Day. I just think Shauna is really cool because she's also a member of the press corps. I think that the actress who plays her is incredibly funny. I don't know. I'm a big fan. I probably overweight how much I like this character because I think it was really funny that they kept her around and just brought her back as the show progressed for these little jokes about her personal life and how she just seems fine, but she is not fine. Yeah, we have we have different takes on this one. I, I My instinct, I think, would have actually to have put her closer to the not top three because in, in the way that you kind of like the second life of her on the show, I was mm-hmm. kind of not off-put by it, but like, I, I, I don't know, I didn't quite get it. Like, it seems like we didn't get quite the same thing from it. Like... I thought she was kind of filled like a necessary role early in the show as kind mm-hmm. of like a, a competitor of Leslie's, yeah. Especially with the Brandanowitz stuff, yeah. And then I, I, I don't know. I was, I thought, I just, I don't know. I just didn't think like the, the bad relationships, like really, really poor self confidence, like shtick was. I didn't find it to be that funny. But I think she gets a lot of points for being on the show for so long. And, like, she is... That actress definitely is very funny. She makes the most out of her screen time, no doubt. Yeah. But... Well, the lucky thing is we have such a rich and deep bench (laughs) that if I could take her off this list and be very happy with what we ended up with, which perhaps is what we'll do, even though I had her ranked so highly, I think there's so many good people that I'm just fine. We have an embarrassing number of people that will eventually not make this list so yeah all right number there can only be one right that takes us to number one i hope we're thinking of the same person i can't imagine it's not but (sighs) number one is the person who ranks highest on this list (laughs) (laughs) number one is the person who i'm about to talk about number one is the number zero plus one number one is Pert Happily. It was always going to be Pert Happily. You know why? It's because we're a couple of perverts. We are perverts. We are members of the Pertpulse Court. <laughs> <laughs> so he... Not a judge. Not a judge. Dude, that's like the best thing to judge Pert. You heard with Pert. Like, the not an actual judge question <laughs> at the bottom is incredible. <laughs> So I pulled together a list of PERD quotes that I really enjoyed. The statement this reporter has is a question. <laughs> <laughs> issue number one is the first issue we're going to talk about. 
<laughs> I'm not holding my microphone. <laughs> I was just gonna. I, I was just gonna say. I just realized I forgot to turn my microphone yeah. on before recording this podcast. <laughs> a slogan is a series of words that has a meaning. <laughs> it's a heartwarming story, but it's just not believable. Which is why I gave ET one and a half stars. <laughs> I love Pern Happley so much. (laughs) He's amazing. I love when Leslie calls him Pern Crapley. (laughs) It's one of the first references of him in the show. It's during the all night telethon. Yeah. Kurt Hapley gets up there, and Ron refuses to do anything at first on the show, and he's watching it from, like, the back room, and he goes, Pert Hapley, what are you doing? <laughs> before he's... Before, side note, before he starts putting that chair together, he's like, and then you gotta, then you gotta wick the chair, like so. He's like, before you know it, this chair is practically wicking itself. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about Pert here. Purd is such an effective, like, stand-in for the new, just, just, even better than legendary newswoman Joan Calamezzo somehow. He just perfectly, like, by going so far into it, they've perfectly kind of shown exactly, like, how little a typical news anchor actually says. Well, it's really funny because I think Joan is more like the classic TV star national news anchor. Yes. She's like a, a Katie Carrick, uh, an Ellen, like a, a, a Dan Rather, yep. Walter Cronkite. Like I know that's mm-hmm. a, that's a range of people, but like she's a she is a big time national news personality. Purd is like a classic local news. He's just there to be there. Like he's doing nothing, adding no value, and people love him and trust anything he says. He's the back to you guy. Like, yes. Back to you, for whatever. We will now go to our field correspondent, who is in the field. It's, he's just, he's perfect. I freaking love Purd. Purd is great because he's a constant. Like, you know, anytime something related to the television is coming, you're very likely to see Purd. Yes. I also feel like somebody slept with Purd and slept with Purd, right? It comes, <laughs> I'm, yes, it actually, it comes yeah. out later that Anne has slept with Purd, which is, incredible because i just need to know like i picture Purd powering down the moment the news ends he just goes and sits right there yeah it's funny because they interact and he's like embarrassed by it and he's like hello it is awkward to see you again and just leaves (laughs) this feels like a conversation of a personal nature like (laughs) (laughs) he's incredible i love Purd. Purd is the word the Purd is the word I, Purr, everything about Purr, him. I love Purr's his haircut. Oh, and as much as I love character development, I'm very happy that Purd remains entirely static throughout yes. the entirety of the show. That was a very that was a very strong decision. I think that that, that that's a good that's a good thing for shows to do is to select characters who ought to get a really neat, interesting arc, and other ones to keep totally static. He was a good decision, and I'm glad they resisted the temptation to capitalize on his popularity. And, like, make him too big of a part of the show. Yes. Because sometimes you, you it, is what happens in shows. It's like, oh, people really like this it's character. It's the Jin Yang phenomenon. It's, it's, 
precisely the Jin Yang phenomenon. Yeah. So, oh, amazing. I this is the longest list of honorable mentions I've seen. Yeah, I have so, I have them organized by like groups of people, and I've got like seven groups. Yeah. Do you, so? Do you still want me to run through mine? Because I haven't grouped them in any in any way. That's fine. Why don't you do yours, and I'll just knock out the people who um you're gonna you say, and then I'll note where I had them listed. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, we're gonna have to probably like really not talk about money these people for very long at all. I think we should just like say who they are and like maybe one funny thing that they did or something. All right. Genuine. Yes. <laughs> the genuine. Genuine. Yeah, he's my cousin. Does he actually ever appear, or do they just obliquely? Yes, he appears. Him? He so he appears once. I ugh, I want to say he's at Donna's wedding. I don't quote me on that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Quinn. I think he's at Donna's wedding. I know that Donna like makes fun of him and talks about him being in the bath. Like, do I'm going to tell them about taking baths with you as a kid? Oh, he you're also, right. He also performs at the Unity concert. Yes. And he sings Pony. That's right. Very good. Yes. Even though Lil Sebastian is not a pony. No, he's not. No. He's a small horse. Yes. Not technically counting because he's not a person. DJ Roomba. Oh. Gangsta, gang, gangsta, gangsta love. Jerry, no! You killed DJ Roomba! <laughs> the two animal control guys. Yes, I so I didn't note them because I wasn't sure if they were people like them enough. I love those yes, guys. They definitely Also, one can. of those is Harris Whittles, who's one of the writers on the show. And yep. Aziz's best friend. Mm-hmm. I love when it's the fake, like, emergency protocol that Jam yes. uses to basically filibuster them. Mm-hmm. And it's like a fake scenario. It's like, yeah, we need you to kill all the birds. He's like, okay, you want me to kill all the birds? It's like, not <laughs> don't actually kill all those birds. It's a, it's a, it's part of a protocol. He's like, you, so you do want me to kill the birds then, right? <laughs> oh, I love those guys. I love their, uh, their storyline in the Fen- the Fairway Frank episode too. Yes. Yes, exactly. Greg Pakaitis, who I think, I don't know. It's so stacked. It'd be hard to actually lobby for him hard, but, and he doesn't appear too often, but his, his star is bright for a brief time. I love Greg Pakaitis. Pakaitis. Uh, okay. Let's see. Crazy Ira and the douche. Yes. Crazy Ira and the douche. I strongly considered, and I think should still be considered for inclusion in this. I was hesitant because there's so many media members. I actually yeah. think I'll take this opportunity to mention the one other radio person. Um, also, don't forget China Joe. Never forget China Joe. Me he's so great. horny. Yeah, he's very <laughs> quick with the uh, he's very quick with the sound effects. Also, we need a guy get- like that on this show. So, like, yeah. if I say something dumb, boy, <laughs> yes, we should get a China Joe. <laughs> also, of course, Dairy Murbles. Uh, Hello, Dairy- this is Terry Marbles <laughs> on Fluffy of Thoughts. <laughs> Leslie says, like, today I'm filling in for Walter Zuleist, yes. who is currently away filling in for me. And then <laughs> it like, keeps going to ridiculous proportions. <laughs> I love when Leslie references Batman, who's for our listenership, yes. the Batman is a fictional character who masquerades as a bat and fights crime nocturnally. And he's like, that's a very succinct uh, description of Batman. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> it's incredible. He also plays Nefertiti's Fjord, which is like, I think he says an Afro-lesbian Norwegian funk band. <laughs> and she's like, oh my god, do your listeners like this? He goes, oh, it is terrible. But they are lesbians. 
I don't know how much public radio you listen to, but it's a very, yeah. as is everything in this show, it's a very effective... <laughs> very true to life. It's also the voice of most of the characters on The Simpsons, just worth noting. He's a very talented really? fella. That's yeah, cool. that's, um, that's Dan Castellanata. Oh my god, I know the name, I just didn't know it was him. Yeah, you now you'll probably recognize the voice. Yeah. It's, these two, I feel like, probably didn't make your list because they're just maybe not considered minor in your eyes. Tammy, too. I didn't consider them minor. They're yeah. they're weird. They're such a weird one because they're not main characters. Tammy two's probably close to it as a main character. Tammy one, I would say, is not. She's only in. The- but she also doesn't really count as a recur. Like she's not yeah. like a secondary. They're they're in a weird no man's land. My personal view, which is the only view I can have, mm. it's a little <laughs> redundant. <laughs> we'll bring that up when we, when we do a grammar pod. I hate when people say that. Sorry, I'm gross that I just said that. So kind of my view is they ought to occupy a special place where we note they are two of the best characters who ever appear on this show, but just don't fit neatly into this box, but yeah. are incredible. That's my take. I don't know how you feel. I might... We'll talk about it. I think Tammy 2... The thing about Tammy 2 is if she's on the list, she's probably super high. Yes. I don't know, and I assume for the same reason. That's why Jam didn't make the list. That's how he's, I felt he's about enough Jam. of a villain. Yeah, Jam is like legitimately a main character in the last yeah. two seasons, and has enough like actual changes in like his character arc. I yeah. guess you would say that he doesn't really count. He actually becomes kind of likable. It's in a very strange way yeah. for someone that gets punched at a wedding. <laughs> he's very it's yeah, so strangely likable. Eagleton Ron, yes, Ron Dunn, yes. <laughs> I love the, the episode where he he and Ben have like their whole experience or drunk he gets drunk on like the blueberry wine yes. and then and then it's the whole episode long and at the very end he's like I don't feel any better and then actual Ron fixes it I think amazing it's really so good funny. writing on that episode yeah pawn shop guy <laughs> okay so that's Herman Herman you're talking about the guy with the tattoos right the tattoo parlor. And okay, uh, yeah. so I think Herman is like a pretty close to being on this list. I freaking love Herman. He talks, he loves Brandy Max. He <laughs> sells what I think is, it's in a penis ring, right? He melt, or I nipple ring. So. He melts down his nipple rings and those are the rings for Leslie and Ben's <laughs> wedding, right? Uh, he also buys the, the guitar, the Red Hot Chili Peppers guitar and then immediately rubs out the signature <laughs> i love herman he's amazing he's really good i think he is a strong latecomer because he like i think at first makes appearances because he's just like one of the random people in the crowd that shouts yeah. really bad suggestions ham and mayonnaise okay ham so and right, mayonnaise. Let's, let's talk about that then if we can i'm gonna so i had a list called the random citizens yeah so herman was high on that list i love slug lady or snail lady i think it's slugs (laughs) she she asks the town to remove the slugs from her her lawn or her sidewalk yeah and they get rid of them and she says i didn't say get rid of them i she only (laughs) wants a couple left she also was mad because she drank (laughs) the water from the fountain yeah she turned it into sun tea and now she's sick (laughs) even though it says don't drink it she's amazing I love the guy who starts all the chants, like ham and mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Your daughter is what is he? Your daughter is an idiot. Except for turnip. Except for (laughs) turnip. He wants his pet to be involved in the time capsule. I also another one who I think these two might actually be 
worth including. I put them in the Random Citizens Brigade. They start out as such, but kind of take on a slightly more significant role. The Langmans. Yeah. So Marsha and Marshall Langman. I think they would count as minor characters, but... I think that they like are borderline on this list and maybe ought to be on the list. Yeah. They're the representatives of the the Christian right in Pawnee. They, what is their line about the penguins? They have some like spoof on the it's not Adam and Steve joke about how the penguins (laughs) (laughs) after Leslie marries two male penguins to each other. They're very good. They also are very against uh, teaching birth control methods to the elderly, or I guess (laughs) safe sex to the elderly in town. They're amazing. Having working in a line that involves public hearings and public yeah. meetings these people are stunningly and alarmingly close to their real life counterparts yeah which makes it significantly funnier i've attended meetings like that <laughs> which is great i'm also pretty sure that harris shows up in the crowd one time advocating that the park near ann's house become a topless park i think you're right yeah. Just a, a quick story. It reminded me because of the slug lady. I didn't attend this meeting, but I heard from a coworker. A woman showed up to a meeting where a road was getting put or some kind of development and just sat in the back and said up front that there are a lot of owls that live in the trees there. And since the owls could not attend the meeting and speak for themselves, she would speak for them. Wow. That was what, very kind of her. Yes. What she meant was that she was going to hoot. So she actually sat in the back and hooted the entire time like an owl. Rather than, like, advocate for their case, she just, woo, woo. Oh. Woo, in the back. Just to remind everyone that the owl's consideration should be taken, you know, should be discussed. That is very different. Yes. I've also heard, I've also heard tell of people that have expressed alarm that they're going to remove bushes because that's where the pixies live. Like, like, the kind of things that you can't really, like, Maybe you could make up, but if they were appear something like that appeared on a show like Parks and Rec, you'd be like, ha ha ha, that would never happen. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyways, I'll keep going here. Some characters that I think don't really qualify as minor characters, Bobby Newport. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to do with the Newports. Yeah. They're kind of weird. I, I think Jessica Wicks, who yeah. marries Nick Newport, is a legitimate recurring character and is incredible. Yeah, agreed. I had, uh, let's see... The Grizzle guy, not yeah. really worth, like, anywhere near the top of the list, but... Yeah, they they were interesting. I wasn't a huge fan of the Grizzle stuff, but they were interesting. They were just funny because they were... Like, <laughs> when the when the show started, that character, like, couldn't have existed, but it was cool that they inserted someone to account for that type of person. It's also funny that, like, <laughs> some of the issues that came up were very prescient and are yeah. now, like, way bigger issues, and, like... The, oh no, we just totally want to know everything that you want to do all the time so we can sell you stuff. Like, yep. like, oh no. <laughs> Last couple, Dennis Feinstein. Yeah, Dennis Feinstein is also a contender for this. I think he deserves consideration. Yeah. The, what's her name? Jerry's daughter. And, 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 and then all the Gurgiches. Yes, the Gurgiches are, I put Gail down, but like all of the Gurgiches, Millicent, Gail, whatever the other one's names are, it's so... It's so emblematic of this show because you have all of the ridiculous storylines. Like he and Gail go to Muncie for vacation. He has this crazy life. Like for his birthday, he he, like goes to bed early. There's like discussion of him having sex with Gail and it disgusts Tom. 
And then you meet Gail, and she's Christy Brinkley, and his daughters are incredibly gorgeous, and they're all wonderful, and he has a great life. And <laughs> they're also sad for him at one point, and like they realize Gary slash Jerry slash Larry has a really happy, wonderful life outside of the office. There are a couple of nice moments with Jerry at the end of the show. Yeah. But... Actually, more than a couple. I love that episode where Ben, uh, <laughs> real he plans that amazing day yes. for Leslie and ends up doing it all with Jerry and then defends yeah. him publicly. <laughs> Leslie's like, Ben, don't do this. <laughs> and and then he tells him not to either. He's like, Ben, it's not worth it. It's okay. It's so okay. great. <laughs> okay. The Saperstein's lawyer. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned him because he's great. <laughs> Is your client Diddy? <laughs> It's not Diddy. <laughs> it's not Diddy. He also, so he has that appearance. He appears a bunch of times as like a random attorney and is just so great. I really like him. Yeah. He also is in um, The Good Place, which is another Mike Shore mm. show. And he's he's very amusing in that. Last one I had on here was Ethel Beavers. <laughs> okay. Ethel Beavers. I freaking love Ethel Beavers. She's another one I think is kind of borderline, like to be considered when she when they go to her doorstep and she's been on a date and she's like my date went well and there's a guy in the doorway you're like oh no Ethel Beavers I love when she gets invited to Galentine's and at the end she's like don't invite me to this again <laughs> I love Ethel so she works on what the third is it the third floor I think so which is the creepy floor with like divorce court and stuff <laughs> Which is the first episode they see that floor is incredible. It's like watching a, an episode of like Batman the Animated Series in Crime Alley. Yes. Ethel Beavers is so great. Who else did you have? So from the City Hall group, Councilman Hauser, who Leslie mm -hmm. always talks to while he's in the bathroom. Councilman Dexhart, who always has his sex scandals. Councilman Milton, who is very old, very racist, and very sexist, and is hilarious. Tanya is her name. I looked it up, aka the lady from Sue's Salads. <laughs> I love that lady. She shows up a bunch of times and is very indignant in her defense of salads. From the other food proprietors, JJ. Yep. From the rich people category, there's one here I actually think should be considered. So Jessica Wicks, who I think is a contender. Dennis Feinstein, who I think is a contender. Ingrid DeForest, who probably is not like the strongest character, but that's the uh, Kristen Bell character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's but, good. But the one who I think should legitimately contend is Annabelle Porter from Bluesh. Yeah. She's incredible. I love when she starts selling beef milk, <laughs> which is just milk, but it's like $15. And Tom and Don are like, oh, no, it is not just milk. This is only artisanal tea-to-table milk. <laughs> she's great. I like Annabelle Porter a lot. She tries to commercialize... Ron's, Ron's tables and chairs and stuff and oh it's great april's friends Orin. oh yeah Orin. i love Orin. i also yeah he's great he shows up a lot more than you God think damn it there are now close to 20 that i seriously want on the list shit i know there's also uh april's boyfriends mm. Derek, and i think the other one's ben i think which is <laughs> weird but she has her boyfriends who are gay but she's dating both of them they're very funny early on. They disappear quickly, but they're funny. Forgot about them. From the totally random category, Brandy Max. Yep. Who's amazing. Who who's starred in over 300 films last year alone. Last year alone. She also stars in the dramatization of Leslie's recall election. And she, she plays Ron Swanbone or something. 
I like when she says when they're running against each other. Yes, for, that's her That's her funniest bit. I'd like to reiterate that Leslie and I are essentially the same person. <laughs> it's incredible. She keeps aligning herself with Leslie. No matter how hard Leslie tries to distance herself from Brandy Max, she can't do it. She's solid, too. Ugh. Yeah, Brandy Max is a funny character. Undoubtedly. The other totally randoms I wanted to mention are Dr. Harris is his name. He's the doctor who says Jerry literally has the biggest penis I've ever seen. He's, he al- he's on it enough that people you know who he is, yeah. Yeah, he's on a bunch. He also uh, sees Andy when Andy finally goes to the doctor for the first time in basically ever. He's Yeah, he also shows up to Anne's Halloween party dressed as a doctor. Yes. Yeah, he's he's around. He's also clearly, like, a terrible person. He makes a couple references yeah. that are, like, really awful. Yep. Uh, he's very funny. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to mention is Denise Yermley, who is the woman who sings. I think she sings I Feel Love, I want to say. She sings, like, a, 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 like a, a 70s funk song or disco song to kill time during the telethon. She also sings the insanely long rendition of the uh, of Star Spangled Banner during her during the uh, debate. Yeah. She also sings Sweet Dreams at one point for some reason. You really did a good job with this list, Mike. I thought about this a lot, and I love this freaking show, and I love these characters. It's a wonderful show. I'm glad that we finally got to spend some time really, really just loving it up. Yeah, but we have some work to do. Yeah. So why don't we talk about ones who we think are serious that maybe ought to be considered? I think Tammy 2 just slides in to the is actually a minor character mm-hmm. camp. So I would lobby hard for her. Yeah. Also, for the listeners who don't know, that is actually the real life Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman's real life wife. Indeed. I think I know we're already heavy on yeah media people, but I think... Not so much crazy Ira, but I think the douche actually... Might- After the appearance when you learn he went to Northwestern is just yeah. amazing. <sighs> there are a lot that I like want to be serious about, but I don't think I quite am. Like Eagleton Ron, yeah, Bobby Newport. I- Dennis Feinstein's enough in it enough, and he never has like a redemptive arc, so I, I don't think he can be considered a major character. Yeah, no, he's he would definitely be in the wheelhouse for this. He feels to me like a, a like number eleven. He's so close. He might be on though. He's close. Yeah, I I like Pachitis and Oren are so funny, but I just think given the the quality of this list, they're probably like twelve, thirteen type yeah. guys. So I think I think that's it. I think I'm really serious about Dennis Feinstein, the douche, and Tammy too. Mm-hmm. I think Dennis Feinstein, the douche, and Tammy too. Yeah. Are you having like second thoughts? Are there any on your honorable mention list that you're in retrospect thinking like, yeah, they should actually probably be on here? So I'm thinking about. Two, there's only two other ones that I think ought to be considered. I think Jessica Wicks is legitimately very funny and fills a really interesting role in the show. I don't know. She probably is a very close miss, but I think she's a close miss. So I think, I just, I don't know. I just don't know if Tammy 2 counts. I'm so weird on her. But I, I definitely think the douche. I think Dennis Feinstein is is a good one. I also think that it, I don't know if this is too cheaty, but I think that a sort of catch-all for random citizens, like, is would be a fun one. Because I love mm. the chant guy. I love Slug Lady. I love Herman. Like, I like those, those meetings are so freaking funny. I agree. 
And it, it wouldn't really be one of our pods if we didn't do a group pick. I like yeah. that idea. Let's discuss that further. With Tammy, too, I would argue that she's less of a major character than John Ralphio, and yet it's, we're considering John Ralphio a minor character. My I guess my quibble is not so much that she's a not a... It's more the recurring thing. She's not really a... I guess she is. She shows up a couple times. I, my only point is, when she's on the show, it's about her. In a way that these other characters, it's not exactly about them in that same way. Like, there's never a Purd episode. Purd just like pops in and out and is just there. When Tammy 2 shows up, the episode is about her. Mostly. There's a couple episodes where it's not totally. Yeah. But like, I, I think it her, might be, I think my argument's sounding flimsy. Her as a character though, like she's only there in tandem with Ron. She doesn't yeah. exist without Ron and like her whole, her interactions with other characters, like when she dates Tom, like they're all in, in a way to expand on, on Ron's character. His name and, is like, not Tom. His name is Glenn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shut up, Glenn! <laughs> and I think like also if we were to, make an arbitrary cutoff point for number of episodes appeared in like hers would be low enough that i just think like i don't know i i just i just think she counts all right i'm down with her then i think she's she's gonna have to be like top three or four i I agree okay so with that being said we if we want to put tammy two and the douche and a a catch-all for meeting people we're gonna have to do some trimming so i'm looking at this I think that I'm fine with just dumping Shauna. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Okay. I think that Detlef Shrimp probably falls off. Probably. It's such a gonzo, hilarious decision to include Detlef Shrimp in this show, but there's other great decisions that this show has made. I think the ones that I think are uh, can't come off, obviously Purd. Yeah. Obviously the Sapersteins. I think Joan Calamezzo's untouchable. I think that Kyle... I'm gonna lobby hard for Kyle. I, I, I'll argue for him, and Barney. I or sewage. I think sewage Joe too. I, I don't know. I would. I would put Barney above. I think the ones that are looking vulnerable to me are like the Ken Hotates and the Pistol Pete's, which is I know it's weird to say since they were so high on your list, but I just think that the their number of appearances, the fact that we talked to the Pistol Pete, like. If you, like, put him in with the rest of these, like, he's a great character, but, like, he kind of fills a different role. Yeah. I don't know. My inclination would be to pull Shauna. I'm fine with pulling Ken Hotate. I happen to love Ken Hotate, but I understand what you're saying. And I would, I want to keep Pete, but I would move him down. Okay. So I would be comfortable if we, like, moved Pete to 10 in Detlef's spot, mm-hmm. pulled Ken and Shauna, and, I mean, I... <laughs> This would be too simple. I think we should do more work. But, like, I think there's a comfortable argument that, like, the meeting people and Tammy, too, could take those high spots and the douche could drop to one of the low spots. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's a lot of reordering that needs to be... Well, we sh- I take that back. I'm about to completely contradict that. I think the Sapper scenes should be as high as, like, top three. They, like, like John Ralphio is, like, really straddling the line of main character what do you feel about putting the Sapper scenes at four, putting like Tammy two and the meeting people, like the, the concerned citizens of Pawnee at two and three? Would you put the concerned peoples of Pawnee above or below Tammy? I'd probably like, put Tammy at two. I would, I would argue that I would put the, the those people at two, but I, I could see. No, let's do that then. I was trying to be nice to you. Let's do that. I think they're more, I think they're 
this they're show. more they're yeah they're more at the, the heart of this the show. essence of the show kind of boiled down yeah. And not just to be nice to you, I think you, I think I would put the Sapersteins over Tammy too because there are three of them. They function in a, a lot of different roles. I think they're funnier than Tammy too. Yeah, that works for me. Okay, so then I think the power block we have currently from five to eight is pretty strong. Like Sewage Joe, Barney, Kyle, and Joan Calamezzo. I actually really like that order. And then it would be like maybe the douche and then Pistol Pete. I think so. I like that. Do we want to make any last-minute emendations to this? Per- I want to get this right. <laughs> I do, too. I'm looking, like, really much more carefully than usual because I really want this to be good. Is it? I'm having second thoughts about, like, in the Joan and the douche territory just because, like, their number of appearances is far greater than either Kyle's or Sewage Joe's. I think, but... I think... So, I think Kyle is the funniest of those characters. Yeah. Sewage Joe is just... He's a freaking gem. I do think that there's a reasonable argument to be made Sewage Show could slide down. Like, between Joan and the douche. I... That feels... That feels appropriate. Okay. But I want... But, so, it, but that would put Barney from the accounting firm at five, Kyle at six, then Joan, then Sewage Joe, then the douche, then Pistol Pete. Yeah. That feels very comfortable to me. So do we think we have a list? It feels like we have a definitive list... Of the minor slash supporting characters. Oh, wait. <laughs> we couldn't go through an entire podcast without mentioning him, even though he's for sure a, a major character. Just wanted to throw out Craig, because I really like him. <laughs> I was so anti-Craig for the first, like, two episodes. I was like, what? He just stressed me out. He was just yelling all the time. And then, I don't know what happened. I just, something clicked, and I was like, oh, this character is hilarious. You're so adorable, I can't even stand it. I have to go yeah. lay down for a half hour. <laughs> no! 40 minutes! <laughs> He's so great. I also love that he ends up with Typhoon, because <laughs> I'm a huge Typhoon fan. Like Typhoon! Ty- I know. Typhoon ends up being the best man. He ends up becoming like Ron's best friend and <laughs> marries Craig. I love freaking Typhoon and Craig. Euro trash. Yeah. You dislike Europeans. Tell me more about how much you dislike Europeans. <laughs> it's a great a clever way from... to like find something in common that they have. Yes. It's a great way of transitioning Ron from his old barber, Salvatore. When he, I love when he gives the doll, he puts like the crisp $5 bill on Salvatore's corpse and he's like, but as you know, I don't believe in uh, over tipping or something. So he goes for exact change from his, his grieving wife. <laughs> Anyways, very last minute mention there and not really in contention at all for this list. No. But if we were going to do a Parks and Rec pod, it had to be mentioned. Now it feels like we have a definitive top 10 list of the supporting and minor characters on the show Parks and Recreation. Mike, would you like to recap them for this? I would be delighted to. At number 10, Pistol Pete Decilio. Number 9, The Douche of Crazy Ira and the Douche. I believe his name is Howard Tuttleman, if the I remember douche. correctly. Number 8, Sewage Joe Fantringham. He's got mumps on his lumps. Thanks you so much for looking up all these people's last names. Like, I never would have known Sewage Joe's last name. It really adds to it, I think. Uh, yes. Number 7, Joan Calamezzo. Legendary newswoman. Legendary newswoman. Number six, I don't know his last name, <laughs> and I'm glad I don't. Kyle. <laughs> Number six, Barney. 
From the accounting did I, firm. Wait, did I screw that up? Is he number five? Barney's number five. I should have written numbers next to these. Number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a great accountant myself. Number five, Barney, who is accounting on your sympathy for me for screwing up the numbering. Number four, Tammy Two, who I believe has kept her last name and is still Tammy Swanson. <laughs> number three, all three of the Saperstein's. Jean Ralphio, Mona Lisa, and Dr. Saperstein. They are the worst, the worst number two we've ever had. <laughs> number two, all of the concerned citizens of Pawnee who are constantly causing problems at the town meetings, from Slug Lady, who drinks her poisoned sun tea, to Herman, who gives you his melted down nipple rings, to <laughs> Chant Guy, who thinks your daughter is an idiot. Your daughter is an idiot. That the park should provide free <laughs> ham and mayonnaise sandwiches. Ham and mayonnaise. <laughs> Two, of course, number one. The only man who could occupy the number one slot on this list. Because he is the number one spot on the list. Because he is number one. Purred happily. Not judge purred happily. Worth Not a judge. Not, Not a, judge. a judge. Not a judge at all. Wow, Mike. That was long overdue and so much fun. Yeah, that was a blast. I'm so glad we did this one. And if you don't like Parks and Rec, I'm so sorry. You ought to watch it. It's an excellent television program. Yeah, watch the entire series and then come listen to this pod. And then tell us all of the many ways we've failed you. Yes, which I'm sure we have. All right, well done, buddy. I will see you next week. All right, Arriva Dirch. Peace. Alrighty, friends, that was our top 10 for this week, but now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at Top10KM. That's all spelled out, Top10KM. Our email top10km spelled the same way at gmail.com or our site top10km.podbean.com all forms of communication accepted except for serial killer notes please don't send us any of those if you like the pod be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of top 10 ever again if you didn't like it please tell us why we'll try to make the show better our theme music was composed by kevin mcleod and our artwork was created by Erin Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week.